Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Even on a budget? Quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Due to the coronavirus pandemic, we are continuing to record this podcast remotely for the safety of our guests and our team. So, on with the show. Hello and welcome to White Wine Question Time, the podcast that asks well-known friends three thought-provoking questions, usually washed down with three glasses of wine. And my guest today became friends through work. He was an up-and-coming pop star. She, an up-and-coming television presenter. In fact, she was the first person to ever interview him professionally. Since then, they've been mates and have come back to work together again on a new show. I'll explain more in a moment. So first up, she is an award-winning radio and television presenter who's just been announced as joining Radio One on a Sunday afternoon. She also, before that, was one of the three main hosts on Capital Breakfast back in 2017 alongside Roman Kemp and Sonny Jay before hitting the dance floor on Strictly in 2018. In lockdown, she's been working tirelessly as a volunteer, helping to support local men and women who have come into this country seeking asylum. She's also back on our screens hosting a brand new show for Four Music called Back to Mine where she gets to head into musicians' homes via video calls to chat about their lockdown experiences as well as giving us a tour around the houses. I cannot wait. He is a former professional footballer turned musician from Bedford who now resides in London with his dog Marmite. Great name. He first shot to fame as a guest vocalist on Chase and Status's All Gone Wrong, which went on to become Annie Mack's hottest record in the world. And in 2017, just a year later, his hit single, Found What I've Been Looking For, became Sky Sports' theme tune to the Premier League football coverage. He was beyond giddy. And then his head almost exploded with excitement when he found out that it was also being used on the FIFA 18 soundtrack. So let's dial them up. It's time to chat to Vic Hope and Tom Grennan. 
I want to understand from you both how you two know each other. Uh, <laughs> we met like... I reckon three years ago. Yeah, on MTV, right? For music. For music. Not, not dissimilar. I think it was like your first ever interview. It was. Yeah. So I used to do a show and you know what? You were the first ever guest we had on Fresh and Fresh is my, one of my favourite shows to ever do. It's always a brand new artist and they do this beautiful live session for us. It was always in like a really gorgeous location that we felt like emulated what they were about. Um, they do two of their own tracks. They do one cover and I'm going to say that yours... I know which one it Yours, was. Do you? Oh, was it... Um... Should I tell you? Yeah, go on then. I think it was London Grammar. It was London Grammar. Tom, I feel like I know you because uh, I'm the mother of a football mad 12-year-old. So Sky oh, yeah. Sports and FIFA 18. Yeah. You are you are all over it. Yeah. Well, in 2018, it was like crazy. Yeah. It's um, amazing. And it was like... Because I used to play football. So I, I thought I would be playing football. And like that was my dream. And... It wasn't until I was like 18 where I kind of picked up the microphone and started singing. So like to have my music on something that I, that I like football was a was a dream come true. Do you know what I mean? Because you, you were with Luton Town, you were signed, you know, you were on that yeah. path to professional football, weren't you? That was the plan, uh, yeah. And so, so what stopped that? And what and genuinely, yeah. were you 18 when you realised you could sing? Yeah, genuinely it was 18. Um what stopped the football career was I could I could um, lie and say it was a knee injury like the like the usual. One, but <laughs> I, I just didn't get better at football and like I kind of peaked when I was like fifteen um, and yeah when I hit when I hit my teenage years I just didn't get better and there was boys come like coming from like Arsenal and Tottenham and coming oh, into God. like Luton and they were just better than me and I just didn't get better and then I was gonna go and do like. Uh, scholarship in America and I just didn't fancy it and that's where like music then 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 fell into place and I was like this is so much better I can drink I can <laughs> so Vic may I be amongst the first to congratulate you you are joining <laughs> Radio One. Oh, it's that jingle yes. isn't it <laughs> it's that jingle I mean I'm sure they do a much cooler version now but let's face it Anyone that was born to these shores grew up listening to Radio 1. It's the mothership of youth radio. And there you are, Sunday afternoons, flying the flag. Tell me about the show. <laughs> oh, you know what? Yeah, when you did that little jingle, it just makes me, like, I can't stop smiling. I feel like a Cheshire cat. I'm so happy because it was, it was, the, it was what I listened to every single day, religiously. I love Radio 1. I used to, in the car in the morning, know that if we heard car park catchphrase on Chris Miles' show, we know we were late to school, <laughs> which is bad because we get in trouble, but it was fine because at least we got to hear car park catchphrase. Like, we loved it. <laughs> and to be able to do life hacks, which used to be the surgery, um, and, I, and I won't be on my own. I'm actually going to be with um, Katie Thistleton and Dr. Rada, so three women, which is so cool. Um, it's so special because I used to listen to the surgery every Sunday night, and it was this platform, it was this space, it was this community where... You could talk about anything from mental health to sex and relationships to education, careers. And I remember thinking, like, no matter what was going on in my life, I wasn't alone because there were other people feeling those things, thinking those things, with advice for those things. And this community was special to me. I found solace in it. And to be a part of that, I just think it's such a massive honor. And I think if anyone is listening, feeling the way that I did growing up, then what a special thing that I might be able to help them in some way, shape or form. And then after that as well, we're doing, um, so four till six, we've got life acts. And then after that, it's the, um, the chart first look, which is so cool to be presenting as well. I'm so happy to be there. I'm so happy to be there at a time when 
I know the BBC are doing a big push to be meaningfully and tangibly more diverse. And I, I'm really excited about what they have in store. And I feel, yeah, I feel really cool to be able to be a part of, of that. I think it's a real turning point. It, it's going to be great. <laughs> Tom, I can't believe that you got to 18. I mean, your voice is phenomenal. And you didn't yeah. realise you had that. No, I think because like when... When you're playing football and when I, around the friends that I have, I didn't think that I was like, at that point, I, when I was like growing up, if I was to sing, I'd have probably got like ripped the hell out of. So I was like, no, I'm not even, I, I didn't even think of it. I wouldn't, I wouldn't sing in the sh- shower. I wouldn't do anything like that. So I, I never knew it was bad. And like, I didn't really hang around with like the music boys in school or the music girls in school. So I was like, yeah, it was never a part of me. And I didn't really like, to be honest, I didn't listen to much music either. Like, and I know yeah. that, that sounds so, so weird, but nah, I only listened to like rap and and grime music. So I wasn't listening to like singing singing voices. And apart from like Amy Winehouse, but again, I would never have really been singing her songs. I'd just be listening to them. So yeah, it wasn't until I was that age where I was where I kind of picked up a microphone at a party and and just yeah, did it. Had that moment, wow! Yeah, that's crazy. Was that was that one of was that one of those defining moments in your life when you went suddenly? Oh my god, I can sing! Now I what think, am I going to do with it? Yeah, I think so. I think like when I did that, and then that's where I was kind of like making the decision whether to go to America or not. So it was like when I did that, and then when my friends kind of were like, "Do you want to just join a band? Do you want to get into this band that we're doing?" I was like. Ah, oh, nah, I'm not doing that at all. Like, I had that moment at the party, but I'm not drunk anymore, so I'm not doing that. And then I did it, and then I kind of, we did it in front of, like, uh, they did it for, like, an A-level performance piece, and I helped them do that. And then uh, it wasn't until I had that audience partip- participation, and I was like, and that interaction with, with, like, a school audience, I was like, I've got the bug now. And that's when I decided I'm not... I'm not going to go to uni in America. I'm going to, I'm going to try music. And then all the boys who were in the band were like, we're going to go to uni and do like maths. And I was like, what What do you mean? You're going to do like science and maths and that? I'm like, no way. So then that's when I moved to London and then I had to go, the only way to get to London was to, to go to university. So I went to uni and studied acting because that's the only A-level I got. Um, so, yeah, and that's when I picked up a guitar and that's when I started writing. I kind of, like, hibernated for a year at uni. I didn't really do, the, the like, the freshest stuff. And I had a few nights, but I didn't really focus it all on, on drinking and, 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 all, and all that kind of stuff. I was just in my room practising how to play guitar. And that's when I, then I started writing. And then in my second year, I went out and got loads of gigs, like, knocked on doors trying to get, like, open mic nights or... Or can I can I support this band or can I play in this pub for whatever and and then it was there I did that for a year and then in my third year luckily enough a record label was in there and in a pub and I got kind of signed from there really it was mad so so Vic tell me because these moments in our careers they they don't come very often when you land a job that makes your heart skip a beat was this a heart skip a beat job for you? Yeah, I think there have been so many fantastic 
jobs that have come about that I haven't necessarily seen coming. You know, you, you as you know, Kate, like things, doors open, doors close. You just kind of go with it. You have to constantly recalibrate and you have to constantly remember why it is that you're doing what you're doing and, and try not to lose sight of that. But also take what you can while you can, have fun while you're doing it, but also pay your rent. You know, yeah. there's it, all sorts of taking it on board when you're, um, you know, trying to make it, trying to make something of yourself as a broadcaster. But I've always known that I wanted to be on Radio 1 and I actually have always wanted to do this particular show. So it's kind of mad to, I, I, I don't really set goals. I don't really think, okay, this is what I want to do. And then I'll, I'll just like tunnel vision health will ever go for that one thing. I'm quite happy to be open-minded about what comes up, but this is one thing I've always had in the back of my head. And it does feel very pinch me to, to think that yeah. I might be going to do it. You know, you do, you do your demos and you have your meetings and then it actually happens. <laughs> Okay, Vic, I was reading Mm -hmm. that whilst you were studying at Cambridge, by the way, God, you're brainy. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, Cambridge, fancy, yeah. Yeah, it's come in really handy for um, chatting about Justin Bieber in the morning, so. (laughs) (laughs) Of course it has. Mm. Got you through Strictly, didn't it? Yeah. But while you were at Cambridge, mm. you worked a series of bizarre jobs. Yeah. And that, that chimed with me because in my student years, I mean, literally, I was a receptionist at a sexually transmitted disease clinic. Um, I, I I fixed vending machines. I, I sold double glazing. So I wanted to know from you both, what's the weirdest, most bizarre thing you've ever done for money? I Go on, Vic, you start. Do you reckon? Okay, right. So I used to do people's online dating for them. Um, so Is that a job? Yeah, <laughs> I was a virtual dating assistant. Uh, this was a serious job. So I had clients in like San Francisco, LA, New York, and they'd pay me $800 a month. What? Yeah, to basically make them profile. This was back before like swiping, before apps, um, to make them profiles on all the best websites for the demographics for them. But if they were Jewish, I could go to like JDate and we use like, plentyoffish.com, match.com, and I'd make them uh, profiles, find them loads of matches. They were usually, most of my clients were rich businessmen who just didn't have time to do it themselves. But I did have some gay clients. I had a couple of female clients. And then I would find them matches, run them past them. They'd say whether they like them or not. And then I would just flirt with women online for them. Yeah, Like a catfish. Like a catfish. No, I was not catfishing. I was showing my clients in the best possible light online. <laughs> I'd, I'd get it offline as quickly as possible. But the thing was, so I had clients all over the state. And I remember using, like, I had alarms set. So if it was, because you never want to be talking to someone at, like, 9 p.m. on a Saturday because it makes you look like you've not got a social life. So I'd have my alarm set for, like, 7 p.m. Wednesday night in different time zones. And I'd wake up, write my messages, um, get them no. going. Yeah. That's mad. Yeah. And how successful were you in finding them a mate or a match? So I, a lot of them would get maybe four dates a week. Like they were prolific daters. What they do, I well, I couldn't do that. What they do on the date after that is nothing to do with me. So if they don't, if they don't manage to like monopolize on that situation, that's not that's not my fault. I would just got them the dates, and sometimes you then wouldn't hear from them for a while afterwards. So you would assume that that is because it's worked out. But the thing is, I don't think that we should be trying to trying to forge love online. I think that we should get it offline because people. I always say this analogy, people are like sample products, we're like food. You don't look at a tin of food and say, I like the nutritional value and contents, therefore I like it. You have to taste it. So I always said to my clients, I'm not flirting for you for much longer. I want to get you on the date and you have to taste each other and then you'll know if you like each other. 
Love um, that. Yeah, love <laughs> that. I'm sure they were well up for the tasting. Mm. Um, Vic, where'd you get a job like that? How do you even know that it's a job? <laughs> On Craigslist. <laughs> 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 I love that. You go to Cambridge and one of the first things you get out of the, one of the you know, the doors of one of the most hallowed academic <laughs> institutions is you are an online flirt. Mm. Brilliant. Yeah, I, I was um I was working, I was this was, I was living in Argentina um in Buenos Aires and I was working as a journalist, but I was earning so little money and I needed extra money and I went on Craigslist looking for writing jobs and it was down as a writing job. Um I had to do a, I had to do like a test as well to get it. <laughs> which was really yeah. embarrassing. It was on the phone. The guy, was, the guy who ran the company was American. He was like, okay, so Vicky, you tell me what you would say if I was a guy online and you want to flirt with me. I was like, is this the job that I think I'm going for? Um, but I did write, so I used to keep record all of my data. So I would like record what approach I took, what kind of um, <laughs> title, like subtitle I would give to each message, whether I'd take a cheeky approach, a cocky approach, and just a genuine, like very authentic one. And I put it all into spreadsheets and work out what was most effective for certain then types you of also, You had to think like a man as well then, right? Yeah, but it became yeah. quite formulaic. Yeah, I did. Wow. Um, what, what, how did you put yourself in a male mindset? I had to imagine what it is that I would want to hear. Send it. <laughs> oh, God, that must be mad. <laughs> but it's true. I probably know better what I want than what, yeah. um, do you know what I mean, what a man wants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's I've been going wrong all this time. <laughs> no. maybe it's where we've all been going wrong <laughs> wow that is as as a bizarre way to earn money goes you are right up there next to me in the sexually transmitted disease clinic <laughs> tom you've got I a like lot of beating it. to do yeah. you've got a lot of beating to do. go i actually have an only fans page no joking <laughs> <laughs> I was going to be like, where? What's the address? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's nothing like um, exciting like that. But my weirdest job was probably I was uh, I worked on like a farm, like a kids' farm, and like I was the I was the uh, I was the tractor man. So like <laughs> I, had, I had to pick up these like every on every half an hour that there'd be a group of kids, and I'd have to pick them up with their parents, put them on the back of a trailer, and then they'd all have to shout, like, faster to track to Tom, and they call me... <laughs> oh, that's yeah. cute. Yeah, so that's probably, like, the weirdest kind of job I had. Um, but I got to have a tractor all day, so it was all right. I'm going to call yeah. you track to Tom now. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And when I did she... that for, like, two years. It was it was. When she, when she next intros you on Radio 1, that's what you're going to be. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Kill your creds. <laughs> that's brilliant. Well, there you go. You've both had some pretty out there jobs. Are you ready for your next question? Yeah. You should celebrate yourself every day. But some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? 
Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Tom, maybe you can kick this one off for me because you are the singer, the songwriter. But my question to you is, what's the one song you wish you'd written and why? I've got two. I would have loved to have written Black to Black, Back to Black from anyone else. Yeah. And I'm Still Standing by Elton Elton John. Yeah. That's so different. Why? Where are those two? They're my favourite songs. Um... I would love to have written the Amy tune because to have been able to write like Amy um, and make like the sadness in the lyrics and the like the hurt and the pain in the lyrics, but to create something that translates in such a different like makes me feel like happy and like makes me feel like I can do whatever I want to do. There's some beautiful lyrics in there. I mean, I'm looking at them now. He left no time to regret, kept yeah. his dick wet. <laughs> Quite like yeah. that. Uh, with his same old safe bet, me and my head high and my tears dry. Yeah. Get on without my guy. And it says, you know, I, we said we, we only said goodbye with words and then I died a hundred times. You go yeah. back to her and I go back. I go back to us. It is. Yeah. It's such a tragic love it's such song. a tragic love song, yeah. but it makes me feel like it doesn't, for me, it doesn't, make me feel like sad it makes me feel like yeah do you know what i mean but when you read the lyrics of it it's i know it's heartbreakingly awful it romance in it it's it's yeah. about a woman who's in love with somebody that clearly just thinks of her as a bit on the side i think it's with the music as well like that's what makes me feel like yes it's like there's there's brass in it there's the drum beat to it it's yeah it's an uplifting song for me do you know what i mean it's like I listen to the lyrics, of course, but the way she's tr- made made a tragic song become something so bright and so, like, for me anyway, it's just mad. And, of course, it's got the magic hand of uh, Mark Ronson all over it as well. well and you would, I mean, of course. You'd never hear that if you listened to the rest of his... Until Amy, his, his work with Amy came along, it was so unlike anything else he'd done. I mean, mm. and, and to this day, it's, it's quite unlike mm. anything else well, he's I'm done since. I would love to work with. Yeah, Let's put yeah. it out there, Tom. Let's put it out there. You never know yeah, who's yeah, listening. Yeah, yeah, put it out into the atmosphere now. So, Mark Ronson, if you're listening, I'm available. <laughs> Open, willing, and able. Yeah. Um, and then I'm still standing by Elton John. Oh, it's just a party tune, isn't it? Tune that. Like, that is like, if I'm feeling like I can't get out of bed, I bang on out Alexa, I'm still standing. And I, <laughs> Do oh. you? Yeah, of course. And I'm, oh. <laughs> um, yeah, and it's... Elton is just 
one of my heroes is just unbelievable. Have you read the autobiography? I've actually got it for Christmas, but do you know what? I haven't read it because I'm dyslexic and reading is just long for me. Oh my I've God, just get the audio book then. No, I've, re- I've listened to it, yeah, yeah, yeah. I finished it about four weeks ago and I, I, I was Some of the story is crazy, isn't it? Oh, it's so brilliant. I mean, you think yeah. the film's good mm. and then you read the book and it's, it's so searingly honest and he's so, yeah. it's so him in the yeah. way that it's, it's worded and written. Um, mm. It's just brilliant. I would, imp- I would encourage anybody to go and read it. He was like the maddest out of them all, though. That's the thing. Like, he was like madder than any other person in that time, like, and survived it for one. Two, just like, has got out of the other side and can actually speak about it and talk about the crazy times. And but he yeah. was like, he was the mad, he was the mad guy. He did oh, it. Oh, God, yeah. yeah. He went there. Yeah. He went, did it all. He went there and then yeah. some. No, Dad, honestly, Tom, if you, if if your dyslexia means that you struggle with reading, just get oh, yeah. the audio book. Oh, I did. That's what I'm saying. I've, I've listened to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you have? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Listen to it, yeah. He's a brilliant raconteur as well, isn't he? Yeah, he can, he can hold a story, that's for I'm, sure. Yeah, I'd, love to have like a, I'd love to go to dinner with him. Do you know what I mean? So I love that. You've, you've chosen two very different but very brilliant artists. So Vic, yeah. what song do you wish you'd written and why? I'm going to say uh, Redemption Song by Bob Marley. Wow. Because, yeah. because I, I just, I always think about this, about why, why do we sing? Like, why do we love music? Why do we love dancing? Why is it important? And for so many people, it is, it's a redemption. Like, it's a freedom. Yeah. You know, oh, this song, like, literally is about slaves singing because that's all they have. That's and I think it's, it's amazing that, in times of slavery, you hear stories of people having been killed for having danced and sung, but it matters so much to them to have music that they yeah. would risk their lives to be able to revel in that moment because that moment is pure peace or it's pure joy, it's freedom. It's Freedom's the most important feeling I think you can have, the most important thing that we can have. So um, yeah. that song is beautiful. And I've, I remember even when I was really little, because my mum and dad used to listen to Bob Marley all the time. And I remember thinking, this song is so special. It's so beautiful. And I don't necessarily know why, I don't necessarily understand. But the fact you can feel it means that he's managed to incorporate into it its message just by the tone. Do you know what I mean? Like just by the way it can make you feel by listening. So, yeah, that song's... That song's well, Marley fully had a power. Like, yeah. I believe in like, yeah. a thing called River of Melody. And I believe only a certain few people can tap into the River of Melody that can translate to... It's like a hymn. Yeah, you, it's like a hymn. That's right. That's exactly what it is. Yeah, and like, when I... That when I listen to Bob Marley, it's I listen to 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 him like he's yes yeah, he's he's like God man like a greater power and that's what you feel is like yeah. you know what it's like you're speaking in tongues and you're like take you're taking it in like you open your body to it and you can just yeah. feel it 100%. feel what he's saying um, yeah that's a really good analogy it's like a hymn yeah. it is like a hymn and it's it tells um, a really powerful and sad story. Yeah. And and it says, you know, old pirates, yes, they rob I, sold I to the merchant ships minutes after they took I from the bottomless pits. But my hand was made strong by the hand of the almighty. We forward in this generation triumphantly. Um, emancipate yourself from mental slavery. None but our self-care can free our minds. Have no fear for atomic, t- atomic energy. Because um, none of them can stop this time. It's beautiful. It's it's beautiful. It is. It's so... It's a story, I think, at a time as well when we're talking about the fact that 
this history is not taught in schools properly. We, we're not being educated properly as to the horror of that. A song like this is even more poignant, you know, like if there's an education there, it's a story that needs to be told. It's a history that needs to be told. Um, and the fact that you can find no matter what mental slavery you're going through, no matter what your struggle, there is some redemption to be found um, through music is something that I think we all need to to war. Yeah. Like with, like with these songs, do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's Can I ask you both, were you taught about these things in school? Because I'm obviously a little bit, a lot older than you guys. I wasn't taught it in school. I discovered this as information through music, actually, as mm. a teenager. Uh, was it taught in your schools? I don't, I feel like, I feel like we were taught a little bit. Like I remember yeah. seeing, you know, the pictures of the slave ships and they, they had these diagrams in some of the history books where you, they, you saw everyone like really tightly putting together like sardines. I remember that picture that kind of stays with me, but I don't think we were given much of an education. I know for my mum, it was really important to teach me and my brothers. So it came more from her, to be honest, than anything else. And she made sure that we just read loads of books about slavery, about black culture, about black history. But I don't think everyone would have had that, obviously. I hope that changes now. I really do. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. You know what, though? A lot of the, the politicians, they've, we've been putting it to, to them for a while. There's been so many petitions. And they're not really responding. They're like, oh, no, we've got enough of a diverse curriculum and it's just not true and i don't know yeah we don't yeah, no, we, we, don't. Don't. The only history that we were taught in school was world war Two, and, yeah. and and that's it really but how much do you know about ancient egyptians yeah exactly <laughs> and the romans yeah exactly yeah but it's, it's like we sort of go and here's our greatest hits and by the way you know like this these are the wars we won yeah but what about our greatest shits when we were absolutely shit as human beings and we need to learn about that as well so yeah. don't just give me the good stuff. Give me all the stuff and I'll make my own mind up. Just how impactful would it be if our curriculum reflected the complexity and the, the vividness, not just, a, not just like the bad parts of black history and, and the death and the destruction, but also like celebrates the culture right from where it came from. I just yeah. think that if, if you were told that there's no way you could be racist because you'd have such an objective like view of what has gone before and therefore what needs to come in the future, like that's what kids need. It need they need a better curriculum. It's it's so simple and yet so effective. And I just don't understand why the politicians aren't getting it. I guess that they just want to keep maintain like a a system in place that has benefited them. Did you ever see? Um, and it's something I've I read I I studied counselling years ago, about ten eight years ago. And one of the things I had to do as part of my counselling studies was follow um, a couple of. Uh, exercises that had been taught in school by a brilliant woman called Jane Elliott. And the, the, Jane Elliott was a white teacher uh, in America. And on the day that Martin Luther King was assassinated, um, she had to go in and explain to her young primary school students, you know, why he was killed. And she was like, they, he was killed because he was black. Well, why would you kill somebody just because of their skin color? So she did this amazing exercise with them, which was about prejudice and understanding prejudice. So it was called um, Brown Eyes, Blue Eyes, I think it's called. Let me just make yeah. sure I've got that right. Have you have you seen this, either yeah. of you? I'd love to know that. Um, okay, so, um, so here it is. Yeah, Brown Eye, Blue Eye, right? So basically the kids in those that class she goes, okay, so this is what prejudice is. This is why Martin Luther King was killed. And they're like, but that's so wrong. She's like, you're completely right. It's wrong. We can't discriminate against somebody for anything other than their actions, you know, not because of the, the society, the class they were born into or the color of their skin. 
And so she segregates the class and all the brown-eyed kids are the superior race and all the blue-eyed kids are the sub-race. So they get the special privileges, they get to play together in the playground, whereas the brown-eyed kids, they don't get that they have. They are segregated in a playground, they're spoken to badly, they are, they're not given anything like the same comforts and resources, and they experience what it is to be treated differently. And then the following day, it swaps and the blue eyes become the privileged kids and the, the, and the brown eyes become the sub-race. So vice versa. And it gives them a frame of reference into what it is to be prejudiced and prejudiced against. Really yeah. simple, right? Two days in class. This poor woman, she had, uh, you know, feces posted through a letterbox. She was called, I mean, like literally she suffered for this. She's, she's an activist now. She's amazing. She's, you should Google her. She's fantastic. Um, but she really stood her ground and she really believed in equality. And yeah. Um, and yeah, it was an amazing thing to watch. Wow. Yeah. And kids are sponges. They, they can understand it. They can see yeah, that it's it? wrong. That's yeah. But imagine if we'd all had that in school, how yeah. that would change your view um, in, into, you know, what it is to be prejudiced. And she mm. she stands up in this this room. This, this very, it was going around a lot in the last few months in lockdown. She stands in a room and she asks a bunch of people, predominantly white, in fact, I think exclusively white, would you be happy to be treated in the same way as the the, the, the black people in this community? If you would stand up, nobody stands up. And then she goes, well, there you go. How's this okay? Yeah. It's like really simple. You know, we were talking really before, simple, yeah. <laughs> Like, you know, let's just strip it back, right? Yeah. It's really, yeah. really very simple. People yeah. don't want to change. That's the problem. It is. And you're not afraid to tackle issues. And I love mm -hmm. that about you. We spoke earlier in lockdown and you've been doing some awesome work as a volunteer, helping those within your community and the wider community that don't have the ability to help themselves. And then along came Black Lives Matter. And I thought that you were so articulate and considered in your response and I found so much of what you posted genuinely very helpful as somebody that wants to learn more and do better oh I'm I'm glad to hear that because I wasn't it's hard when you put your head above the parapet with something that's so important you don't want to get it wrong and I'm learning as well I think we're all learning and that's been the beautiful thing I think about the momentum that this movement has gained especially in the last few months I've never seen people talk about allyship or about anti-racism or about um, being complicit if you're not saying anything at all and working out the best way to tackle that to be concise with it to be clear with it um and and yes the, the conversations we've had have been uncomfortable but but to make people feel like they can join the conversation just because it's not happening to your community doesn't mean that you're not allowed to be angry about it it's natural and what sometimes gets confusing is that people equate the human beings who are the spokespeople for a movement with the movement. Same happens with feminism a lot of yeah. the time. We're fundamentally flawed as human beings. So yeah, I might fall short sometimes. Yeah, I might say the wrong thing, but that doesn't mean you cancel feminism. That doesn't mean you cancel Black Lives Matter yeah. because I, you can't put me on a pedestal because I'm, I'm not, I've literally got next to my be um, bed right now. Let me just hold it up for you. Um, the book I'm reading at the moment is called Bad Feminist. By yeah, Roxanne Gay. Roxanne Gay, yeah. It's brilliant and it's really helped articulate where sometimes we feel like we can't be the person to speak about something because we might get it wrong. It's like, no, 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 it's okay. It's better that you say, say something than say nothing, yeah. And but we'll sometimes it's, it's the nuance. There's one thing that you put up on your stories, and I was so pleased that you called them out on this, but not long after the death of, of George, George Floyd, um, a, a, an American newspaper had reported that this is the policeman who put his knee 
on the neck of George Floyd. And you quite rightly said, incorrect language, this is the policeman that killed George Floyd by putting his knee on his neck. And had the crime been committed the other way round and it was a black police officer taking a white man's life, would that have been the same use of language? Would he have been called out for putting his knee on his neck or would he not have been cited quite rightly as the man who killed another by using force on his neck? Definitely. It's exactly what you were just saying before, Kate, about how ingrained Mm. the racism is. And and that goes for language as well. So much of the language that we hear is is designed or is used to to sway us or to, to maintain this system that is entrenched. And we need to dismantle language if we're going to dismantle the racism. Totally. I, something I talk about a lot is how black women are so often referred to as feisty or sassy or aggressive or difficult, um, just for innocuously expressing yourself. And that's something that every time I hear it, and I've heard it so much throughout my life at school, in my career, you get this horrible knotted feeling in the pit of your stomach because you start to believe it about yourself as well. You dilute yourself, you pull yourself back. So many times I've just tried to be sweeter, like like butter wouldn't melt. Like I I don't want to give you anything that you can fault me on because I know that otherwise I'm going to be deemed to be aggressive and I'm not being aggressive. And that kind of language, it can be so hurtful, it can be so damaging, and it can really make you change yourself when really you should be able to be yourself. I want little little black girls and little black boys to know that they can be themselves because they do belong for who that they are. Okay, question number three. They say, and I don't know who they are, but they say that what's meant for you will never pass you by. So when has that been true for you? I think I'm going to let you go first. (laughs) You gent. (laughs) Hmm. Hmm. You know what? I, I, I would say that every time something that's happened has hurt and it's been difficult and it's felt unfair, when you've had your heart broken, when you've failed at something, it feels like what is happening is the end of the world and it feels like it's negative. But I think everything that we learn from those experiences are enriching, empowering. It's stuff that we can take away and and be better with, learn more about ourselves and about other people. It's It's never entirely negative. And there's stories to tell. So I think every time something is hurt, it shouldn't have passed me by. I sh- it sh- wasn't to be avoided. That's not the point. Like pain is pain is something we can harness. So every pain that I've ever had, I like to think that I've harnessed it and I'm glad that it didn't pass me by and that I experienced it even though it was painful at the time, I'm going to say. So so, so all, of the, all of the hurt was meant yeah. to come your way and to teach and inform you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I, I think that it, it really changes your outlook as soon as you realise that everything bad might have happened for a reason or at least even if you're not like fatalistic about it at least there's something that you could learn or grow from from it Mm. then it it makes life easier to live yeah I think it puts things in perspective for you over to the angsty Tom for his songwriting (laughs) take on this come on Tom um I think I'm gonna tell you like basically uh, my second record is all about how well I was in a relationship and I thought it was her who was who was making it hard and who was who was giving me shit and making me and making me like into a bad person. However, I then had to move home. I moved home and I had to get my head in, in 
in order. And I, I then realised actually it was me who was being the toxic one in a relationship and I was putting the pain on her and I was creating this this kind of, I don't know, this kind of, I was painting her in a picture where, where it wasn't her, where it wasn't her, it was me. And I, and I had to, and I had to like, this whole record that I've written is all about how it's a thank you letter. It's also like a sorry letter. And it's a, it's, it's a thing of, of saying, I, I'm so grateful for you. And I'm so sorry that I, that I treated you in that way. But like, like you said about pain and stuff, I think I needed to experience that in myself, knowing that I was a bit of a twat and a bit of a dickhead. And, and I think I've grown into a better person now from that. Do you know what I mean? So I think that pain was, and that, and that experience was meant to happen. And unfortunately she had to take the backlash off, off me. Do you know what I mean? If it was meant to be, it wouldn't have passed you by, but it was meaningful yeah. if not meant to be, because it taught you so much about yourself. And has, improved, and has improved you as a person, certainly yeah. as a boyfriend. Yeah, 100%. Unfortunately, we don't, we're, not, we're not together, obviously, anymore, but I had to have that happen in my life where I was, was like, actually, Tom, two minutes, you're, you're, being, you're the toxic one here. You're, 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 you're putting all this on her. I let ego get in, get in the way too, and I had to, like, strip, strip it all back. And if I didn't do that, I, I might not be chatting to you lot here now. I might have not written a record, I might have not, I might have like, yeah, not been able to put music out or, do you know what I mean? And learn and just learn about me and, and the person that I want to be. Like I want to, of course I want to be an, a nice, genuine boy, do you know what I mean? So, and unfortunately she had to take that, but I've apologised for it now and, and we're, we're cool now. But, You're yeah. good friends, that's good. Yeah, we're cool, we're cool. And, and what made you realise, Tom, that actually you've got to stop putting the blame at her door, that it's your door that it sits at? I, think, I didn't want to take the blame for it. I, I was like, I, did, I didn't want to feel the guilt for it. I didn't want to, I didn't want to be the bad person. You know what I mean? And like, in my head, I painted her as, as this, as this like horrible, like controlling, and and really, it was like, it was me kind of not. It was ego. It was, it was, it was like. Yeah, I thought the world revolved around me when it really doesn't. Do you know what I mean? At the end of the day, she loved she loved me for who I was, and and I treated that person bad, and and then treated the people that didn't love me for who I am good. Do you know what I mean? So I was like, yeah. there was the seesaw was 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 weighted this way, and I should have really tried balancing it on that way or balance it out just to a normal truth. Yeah, you've got to just you've got to flush out those that have the wrong intentions and keep the well intended in your camp. Yeah. How yeah. did she respond, by the way, when you did go and make that apology and and put it all out there to her? Um, she was grateful, of course. Uh, I like the I've like the album is dedicated to her, and how can I say she's she's just disappointed that it didn't happen. That I wasn't the person that she thought I was, and like. I'm still not that person that she thought I was because I've changed now and I'm a different person to who I was that, then anyway. Mm. Um, but, yeah, we're, oh. cool. we're cool. I'm glad you apologised to her, Tom. That's the right thing to do. Hey, Vic. Yeah. I think so. I think it's often hard for all of us to, like, admit the ways in which we're flawed. I think a lot of us have done a lot of, like, self-exploration and mm. realised so much about ourselves. I think um, reflection 
being self-critical without being unkind to yourself mm. is so important. And it's all about like what we keep saying, like be kind to others. My next relationship is with me. Yeah, I, well, exactly. It's crazy. Like this is the first time I've been on my own and been able to kind of like, and it sounds so cliche and so, so, so like, I'm, and I'm not that guy, but I am that guy because I'm going to say it because self-love is so important. And like I, through that whole time, I didn't, I didn't self-love and I didn't think, you know, I, I was, my brain and my, and my actions were so corrupted and so like, just not, just not true and just, yeah. And then you end up projecting so much on someone else. A hundred, so it's yeah. your own problem. Exactly. Do you know what, Tom, it's really lovely to hear you say that at that stage in your life. And I in no way mean that to be condescending or patronising, no, no. but I don't think I got to 35 until I'd learned what you've just told me. And it was so important to just mm. like, first of all, like learn who you are, accept mm. your flaws and just change the ones that you want to change. But those that are just inherently you, well, that's mm. just you, right? I've got a thing where, uh, you know, and it's pissed off boyfriends in the past, but I read before I go to sleep every night. And some guys find that like really insensitive. It's like, you know, don't don't you want to just fall asleep in my arms? I'm like, not really, no. I like reading my book. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah. I'll, 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 you know, perform all girlfriend duties. Really happy with that. Love all that. <laughs> but after that, I'll do like a couple of chapters before I nod off for the night. And there are some things that I'm really happy to change about myself. But that's just not one of them. And I know it's annoying, but it's like, that's probably, I mean, don't get me wrong. You know, what happens between man and woman or partner and partner, your, 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 your lover, right? That's between you two. And I'll never talk about that on the podcast because that's, that's not, that's not fair. But that 20 minutes of the day with my book is amongst 20 minutes, the, the best 20 minutes of my day. You know, I'm not denigrating anything that goes before it, but like that's my, there's a pleasure, pleasure principle in that for me. So it's lovely that you, A, you want to look at yourself and reflect and learn and accept responsibility. But then as you get to like my age, you sort of go, there are some things I'm just not going to give up. And for me, eating chocolate in bed and reading a Kindle is just two of them. I love that. It's not sexy. It's just me. Oh, <laughs> it is sexy though. It is quite sexy though. Yeah. Like, it is. It's kind of you like just... she don't really care. Oh, Joe, it's been so lovely talking to you both. So, Vip, best of luck with your new job. I love to see a good woman getting on in the world, and Radio <laughs> One is very lucky to have a voice like yours on their platform. And Tom, thank you for soundtracking every football moment in my household. <laughs> Thank you very much. Please, can you put some more music out so I can have something it's, other than the football theme tunes? It's coming, it's coming, hundred percent. When's it coming? Um, I can't actually. Well, I've got a new single coming in like the next couple of weeks. So. Oh, brilliant! What's it called? Yeah, yeah. Um, I can't tell you. <laughs> Thanks, guys. White Wine Question Time is produced by me, Kate Thornton, and Richard Hatherall for Yahoo UK. Editing is by Callum Goddard Mocklow, and our music, as always, is from Andy Bell, whose back catalogue is available on iTunes and Spotify. Don't forget, we're on social. You can tweet us or Instagram us at WhiteWineQT. And if you are still homebound, uh, then why not tell your smart speakers to pipe us into whatever room you're in. You just say, OK, Google or Alexa, followed by play the latest episode of White Wine Question Time. As you know, today we weren't drinking whilst recording this podcast. But if you are while you're listening, try to do as we always do. And please drink responsibly. I'll see you next week. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? 
Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 